Chapter 5, Part D of The Wealth of Nations, Book 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Escalera. The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. Book 4, Chapter 5, Part D of Bounties. 2. The trade of the merchant importer of foreign corn for home consumption evidently contributes to the immediate supply of the home market, and must so far be immediately beneficial to the great body of the people. It tends, indeed, to lower somewhat the average money price of corn, but not to diminish its real value or the quantity of labor which it is capable of maintaining. If importation was at all times free, our farmers and country gentlemen would probably, one year with another, get less money for their corn than they do at present, when importation is at most times in effect prohibited. But the money which they got would be of more value, would buy more goods of all other kinds, and would employ more labor. Their real wealth, their real revenue, therefore, would be the same as at present, though it might be expressed by a smaller quantity of silver, and they would neither be disabled nor discouraged from cultivating corn as much as they do at present. On the contrary, as the rise in the real value of silver, in consequence of lowering the money price of corn, lowers somewhat the money price of all other commodities, it gives the industry of the country where it takes place some advantage in all foreign markets, and thereby tends to encourage and increase that industry. But the extent of the home market for corn must be in proportion to the general industry of the country where it grows, or to the number of those who produce something else, and therefore have something else, or what comes to the same thing, the price of something else, to give in exchange for corn. But in every country the home market, as it is the nearest and most convenient, so is it likewise the greatest and most important market for corn. That rise in the real value of silver, therefore, which is the effect of lowering the average money price of corn, tends to enlarge the greatest and most important market for corn, and thereby to encourage, instead of discouraging, its growth. By the 22nd of Charles II, C. 13, the importation of wheat, whenever the price in the home market did not exceed 53 shillings 4 pence the quarter, was subjected to a duty of 16 shillings the quarter and to a duty of eight shillings whenever the price did not exceed four pound. The former of these two prices has, for more than a century past, taken place only in times of very great scarcity, and the latter has, so far as I know, not taken place at all. Yet, till wheat has risen above this latter price, it was, by this statute, subjected to a very high duty, and, till it had risen above the former, to a duty which amounted to a prohibition. The importation of other sorts of grain was restrained at rates and by duties, in proportion to the value of the grain, almost equally high. Before the thirteenth of the present king, the following were the duties payable upon the importation of the different sorts of grain. Please refer to the text for the accompanying table. These different duties were imposed, partly by the twenty-second of Charles the Second, in place of the old subsidy, partly by the new subsidy, by the one-third and two-third subsidy, and by the subsidy 1747. Subsequent laws still further increased those duties. The distress which, in years of scarcity, the strict execution of those laws might have brought upon the people, would probably have been very great. But, upon such occasions, its execution was generally suspended by temporary statutes, which permitted, for a limited time, the importation of foreign corn. 
the necessity of these temporary statutes sufficiently demonstrates the impropriety of this general one these restraints upon importation though prior to the establishment of the bounty were dictated by the same spirit by the same principles which afterwards enacted that regulation how hurtful soever in themselves these or some other restraints upon importation became necessary in consequence of that regulation if when wheat was either below forty-eight shillings the quarter or not much above it foreign corn could have been imported either duty-free or upon paying only a small duty it might have been exported again with the benefit of the bounty to the great loss of the public revenue and to the entire perversion of the institution of which the object was to extend the market for the home growth not that for the growth of foreign countries three the trade of the merchant exporter of corn for foreign consumption certainly does not contribute directly to the plentiful supply of the home market it does so however indirectly from whatever source this supply may be usually drawn whether from home growth or from foreign importation unless more corn is either usually grown or usually imported into the country than what is usually consumed in it the supply of the home market can never be very plentiful but unless the surplus can in all ordinary cases be exported the growers will be careful never to grow more and the importers never to import more than what the bare consumption of the home market requires that market will very seldom be overstocked but it will generally be understocked the people whose business it is to supply it being generally afraid lest their goods should be left upon their hands the prohibition of exportation limits the improvement and cultivation of the country to what the supply of its own inhabitants require the freedom of exportation enables it to extend cultivation for the supply of foreign nations by the twelfth of charles the second c four the exportation of corn was permitted whenever the price of wheat did not exceed forty shillings the quarter and that of other grain in proportion by the fifteenth of the same prince this liberty was extended till the price of wheat exceeded forty-eight shillings the quarter and by the twenty-second to all higher prices a poundage indeed was to be paid to the king upon such exportation but all grain was rated so low in the book of rates that this poundage amounted only upon wheat to one shilling upon oats to fourpence and upon all other grain to sixpence the quarter by the first of william and mary the act which established this bounty this small duty was virtually taken off whenever the price of wheat did not exceed forty-eight shillings the quarter and by the eleventh and twelfth of william the third c twenty it was expressly taken off at all higher prices the trade of the merchant exporter was in this manner not only encouraged by a bounty but rendered much more free than that of the inland dealer by the last of these statutes corn could be engrossed at any price for exportation but it could not be engrossed for inland sale except when the price did not exceed forty-eight shillings the quarter the interest of the inland dealer however it has already been shown can never be opposite to that of the great body of the people that of the merchant exporter may and in fact sometimes is if while his own country labors under a dearth a neighboring country should be afflicted with a famine it might be his interest to carry corn to the latter country in such quantities as might very much aggravate the calamities of the dearth the plentiful supply of the home market was not the direct object of those statutes but under the pretense of encouraging agriculture to raise the money price of corn as high as possible and thereby to occasion as much as possible a constant dearth in the home market 
by the discouragement of importation the supply of that market even in times of great scarcity was confined to the home growth and by the encouragement of exportation when the price was so high as forty-eight shillings the quarter that market was not even in times of considerable scarcity allowed to enjoy the whole of that growth the temporary laws prohibiting for a limited time the exportation of corn and taking off for a limited time the duties upon importation expedients to which great britain has been obliged so frequently to have recourse sufficiently demonstrate the impropriety of her general system had that system been good she would not so frequently have been reduced to the necessity of departing from it were all nations to follow the liberal system of free exportation and free importation the different states into which a great continent was divided would so far resemble the different provinces of a great empire as among the different provinces of a great empire the freedom of the inland trade appears both from reason and experience not only the best palliative of a dearth but the most effectual preventative of a famine so would the freedom of the exportation and importation trade be among the different states into which a great continent was divided the larger the continent the easier the communication through all the different parts of it both by land and by water the less would any one particular part of it ever be exposed to either of these calamities the scarcity of any one country being more likely to be relieved by the plenty of some other but very few countries have entirely adopted this liberal system the freedom of the corn trade is almost everywhere more or less restrained and in many countries is confined by such absurd regulations as frequently aggravate the unavoidable misfortune of a dearth into the dreadful calamity of a famine the demand of such countries for corn may frequently become so great and so urgent that a small state in their neighborhood which happened at the same time to be laboring under some degree of dearth could not venture to supply them without exposing itself to the like dreadful calamity the very bad policy of one country may thus render it in some measure dangerous and imprudent to establish what would otherwise be the best policy in another the unlimited freedom of exportation however would be much less dangerous in great states in which the growth being much greater the supply could seldom be much affected by any quantity or corn that was likely to be exported in a swiss canton or in some of the little states in italy it may perhaps sometimes be necessary to restrain the exportation of corn in such great countries as france or england it scarce ever can to hinder besides the farmer from sending his goods at all times to the best market is evidently to sacrifice the ordinary laws of justice to an idea of public utility to a sort of reasons of state an act or legislative authority which ought to be exercised only which can be pardoned only in cases of the most urgent necessity the price at which exportation of corn is prohibited if it is ever to be prohibited ought always to be a very high price the laws concerning corn may everywhere be compared to the laws concerning religion the people feel themselves so much interested in what relates either to their subsistence in this life or to their happiness in a life to come that government must yield to their prejudices and in order to preserve the public tranquillity establish that system which they approve of it is upon this account perhaps that we so seldom find a reasonable system established with regard to either of those two capital objects Four the trade of the merchant carrier or of the importer of foreign corn in order to export it again contributes to the plentiful supply of the home market 
It is not, indeed, the direct purpose of his trade to sell his corn there, but he will generally be willing to do so, and even for a good deal less money than he might expect in a foreign market, because he saves in this manner the expense of loading and unloading, of freight and insurance. The inhabitants of the country which, by means of the carrying trade, becomes the magazine and storehouse for the supply of other countries, can very seldom be in want themselves. Though the carrying trade must thus contribute to reduce the average money price of corn in the home market, it would not thereby lower its real value. It would only raise somewhat the real value of silver. The carrying trade was in effect prohibited in Great Britain, upon all ordinary occasions, by the high duties upon the importation of foreign corn, of the greater part of which there was no drawback, and upon extraordinary occasions, when a scarcity made it necessary to suspend those duties by temporary statutes, exportation was always prohibited. By this system of laws, therefore, the carrying trade was in effect prohibited. That system of laws, therefore, which is connected with the establishment of the bounty, seems to deserve no part of the praise which has been bestowed upon it. The improvement and prosperity of Great Britain, which has been so often ascribed to those laws, may very easily be accounted for by other causes. That security which the laws in Great Britain give to every man, that he shall enjoy the fruits of his own labor, is alone sufficient to make any country flourish notwithstanding these and twenty other absurd regulations of commerce and this security was perfected by the revolution much about the same time that the bounty was established the natural effort of every individual to better his own condition when suffered to exert itself with freedom and security is so powerful a principle that it is alone and without any assistance not only capable of carrying on the society to wealth and prosperity but of surmounting a hundred impertinent obstructions with which the folly of human laws too often encumbers its operations though the effect of those obstructions is always more or less either to encroach upon its freedom or to diminish its security in great britain industry is perfectly secure and though it is far from being perfectly free it is as free or freer than any other part of europe though the period of the greatest prosperity and improvement of great britain has been posterior to that system of laws which is connected with the bounty we must not upon that account impute it to those laws it has been posterior likewise to the national debt but the national debt has most assuredly not been the cause of it Though the system of laws which is connected with the bounty has exactly the same tendency with the practice of Spain and Portugal to lower somewhat the value of the precious metals in the country where it takes place, yet Great Britain is certainly one of the richest countries in Europe, while Spain and Portugal are perhaps amongst the most beggarly. This difference of situation, however, may easily be accounted for from two different causes. First, the tax in Spain, the prohibition in Portugal of exporting gold and silver, and the vigilant police which watches over the execution of those laws must in two very poor countries which between them import annually upwards of six million sterling operate not only more directly but much more forcibly in reducing the value of those metals there than the corn laws can do in great britain and secondly this bad policy is not in those countries counterbalanced by the general liberty and security of the people industry is there neither free nor secure and the civil and ecclesiastical governments of both spain and portugal are such as would alone be sufficient to perpetrate their present state of poverty even though their regulations of commerce were as wise as the greater part of them were absurd and foolish 
the thirteenth of the present king c forty three seems to have established a new system with regard to the corn laws in many respects better than the ancient one but in one or two respects perhaps not quite so good by this statute the high duties upon importation for home consumption are taken off so soon as the price of middling wheat rises to forty-eight shillings the quarter that of middling rye peas or beans to thirty-two shillings that of barley to twenty-four shillings and that of oats to sixteen shillings and instead of them a small duty is imposed of only sixpence upon the quarter of wheat and upon that or other grain in proportion with regard to all those different sorts of grain but particularly with regard to wheat the home market is thus open to foreign supplies at prices considerably lower than before by the same statute the old bounty of five shillings upon the exportation of wheat ceases so soon as the price rises to forty-four shillings the quarter instead of forty-eight shillings the price at which it ceased before that of two shillings sixpence upon the exportation of barley ceases so soon as the price rises to twenty-two shillings instead of twenty-four shillings the price at which it ceased before that of two shillings sixpence upon the exportation of oatmeal ceases so soon as the price rises to fourteen shillings instead of fifteen shillings the price at which it ceased before the bounty upon rye is reduced from three shillings sixpence to three shillings and it ceases so soon as the price rises to twenty-eight shillings instead of thirty-two shillings the price at which it ceased before if bounties are as improper as i have endeavoured to prove them to be the sooner they cease and the lower they are so much the better the same statute permits at the lowest prices the importation of corn in order to be exported again duty-free provided it is in the meantime lodged in a warehouse under the joint locks of the king and the importer this liberty indeed extends to no more than twenty-five of the different ports of great britain they are however the principal ones and there may not perhaps be warehouses proper for this purpose in the greater part of the others so far this law seems evidently an improvement upon the ancient system but by the same law a bounty of two shillings the quarter is given for the exportation of oats whenever the price does not exceed fourteen shillings no bounty had ever been given before for the exportation of this grain no more than for that of peas or beans by the same law too the exportation of wheat is prohibited so soon as the price rises to forty-four shillings the quarter that of rye so soon as it rises to twenty-eight shillings that of barley so soon as it rises to twenty-two shillings and that of oats so soon as they rise to fourteen shillings those several prices seem all of them a good deal too low and there seems to be an impropriety besides in prohibiting exportation altogether at those precise prices at which that bounty which was given in order to force it is withdrawn the bounty ought certainly either to have been withdrawn at a much lower price or exportation ought to have been allowed at a much higher so far therefore this law seems to be inferior to the ancient system with all its imperfections however we may perhaps say of what was said of the laws of solon that though not the best in itself it is the best which the interest prejudices and temper of the times would admit of it may perhaps in due time prepare the way for a better End of Book 4, Chapter 5, Part D.